Welcome to Plano Podcast, tales of curiosity and character. I'm Tammy Hooker. We're glad you found our little on-air hangout with stories from inside Plano and just outside of what you might expect. As the holidays begin to approach us here in Plano, we're going to take you across the pond for today's podcast. Christmas in merry old England brings to mind tales of Charles Dickens, plum pudding at the table, and those funny paper hats. But in modern England, there's another holiday tradition. It features fairy tales, ghosts, and men in drag. It's called the Panto, a wildly popular theatrical production, a fractured fairy tale with lots of humor for the grown-ups. While pantos are performed almost everywhere in Britain during the holiday season, only a handful of theaters do them in the United States. And one of them is right here in Plano at Theatre Britain. 2016 marks Theatre Britain's 20th birthday. They've been doing shows since 1996. This year's panto is a fractured fable version of Sleeping Beauty. And we have the director here to tell us all about it. My name is Sue Birch, and I'm the artistic director at Theatre Britain. Our first question for Sue was, what exactly is a panto? Well, it's a special kind of British holiday show. It's a fairy tale or a traditional story told in the style of a melodrama. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, It has a lot of audience participation. It um, is for people of all ages, and it works on two levels. There's the story that young people, that children get, and that they follow along with, cheer along with the good guys, and boo and hiss the villains. And then there's also the level that adults will appreciate as well, because it has innuendo, and it has some double entendres, and some... And not really risque jokes, but um, it has adult jokes in there as well. But those go straight over the head of the kids, of course. The Sleeping Beauty again, yes. And we did that deliberately as a sort of a homage to our 20th birthday. And the, the script is pretty much the same. We've updated the songs in it and done a little bit of revision, but kept the spirit of the original script that Jackie, uh, Jackie Melaguin, who is our panto scribe, she was one of the founders of the company and um, she writes all of the pantos that we do. So most years we're doing a world premiere because she's just written a new script. <laughs> panto is not a new tradition, but it has evolved over the years. This is a long-standing tradition Um, panto, you may hear it called pantomime in England, Um, and it it means panto, it means something very different. It's not like pantomime here, where you're talking Marcel Marceau, and you know, you're uh, silent in a box somewhere. Uh, It's it's really very much an, an audience participation thing. Pantomime and panto has been going in Britain since 1717, in many different forms. It's obviously Um, adapted as we've gone through the years. It couldn't possibly be the same now as it was in 1717, but it's adapted. And um, every so often people say, well, it's so outmoded and it's outdated and obviously it's going to die. No one's going to do panto again. And it's still going. It's still surviving. And I don't think it will ever die. Each new generation of British families introduces 
is introduced to Panto by their parents, and um, it really is a, just a thing to do at Christmas time. Also joining us for this episode of Plano Podcast are some of the actors who will appear in Sleeping Beauty, some of whom are veterans of Theatre Britain's annual Panto. Hi, I'm Devin Rose. I play Ethel, and she is the newest fairy out of the bunch of fairies. My name is Robin Clayton, and I am playing Fairy Nuff in The Sleeping Beauty. My name is Matthew Stepanek, and I will be playing the king and the ghost in the show. Playing in the panto is unlike anything they've done before. Yeah, it is definitely very, very different. And a lot of times, you know, um, as an actor, you'll do like farces. You'll do like some crazy comedies where, yeah, you still feed on the audience's laughter. But this is very different because the audience is actually encouraged to say things along. We have people like yell out random things. So you have to be able to be open and be on your toes. And if somebody says something, you can respond to them, talk to them, talk to the audience members. If they say a joke, you respond to their joke or um, something like that. You just it's just very a lot more interactive than like a normal play where there is that fourth wall and there is the distance between the audience and the performers. That wall is pretty much broken in the panto. So very, very different. And I think the preparation is just being ready for anything and not being afraid of it, embracing it. It's a little bit out of my comfort zone because of the goofiness and the ridiculousness. And I usually go more for realness, but in this environment, it's perfect. It's insanely well executed so that it's not just bad children's theater that you're watching it's a tradition that you're watching and last year I thought I would be out of my comfort zone but I had so much fun and getting to talk to the audience afterward makes it all worth it personally I just find it it's a lot of fun Uh, you get to combine elements of sort of melodrama and over-the-top acting with a story with some heart because there is a fairy tale in the middle. Uh, I love performing for children. They tend to get really into these types of performances. Um, And at the end of the day, everyone goes home happy, which is the most you can hope for as an actor. Every panto includes certain traditional elements. At the top of the list is a character called the Dame. Sue Birch explains. The Dame is um, the main female comic character in the piece, and it's always played by a man. And uh, the man always has very exaggerated clothing, uh, usually a huge wig, um, and is very... um, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to think it's a woman. You know, it's it's definitely a man who's playing a woman. They always find someone in the audience to flirt with, a, a man in the audience to flirt with. Um, in our case, this person is often Mr. Front Row Guy, um, and the dame will pick somebody, some some unsuspecting man in the front row, and he becomes Mr. Front Row Guy. And we do have. Uh, patrons who um, their claim to fame is I was Mr. Front Row Guy and um, people send us pictures of Mr. You know, I was Mr. Front Row Guy. And some families who know about it beforehand but the, the man doesn't, they ask for a front row seat to set them up as well so it's a lot of fun. Every panto also features a leading man called the Principal Boy except he's not a man or a boy. There's the principal boy, which is um, an old tradition, which is the, the male romantic lead is played by a young woman. And this, 
yes, I know it's very weird. <laughs> I can see expressions on people's faces here. Um, it obviously uh, dates back the first people to do that were in opera, you know, um, but in panto, uh, it's a tradition and it dates from Victorian times when um, you were, as a woman, not allowed to show your legs. And the, but the only time you could show your legs is if you were playing a male role on the stage. And so it developed that these young women would play the men, they, they would wear short tunics and show off their legs and they would slap their thighs as if to say, look at my leg here. And all the men in the audience would be like, oh, having the vapors. If this all sounds very gender bendy, very 2016, it's really not. Sue Birch says it's mostly just good, silly fun. No, there's no statements at all. Um, obviously, the, 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 the tradition of men playing women dates back to Shakespeare when, men, when women were not allowed on the stage. Um, and as I say, the tradition of the principal boy, I think, is really just to titillate men. There is absolutely no uh, attempt to make the principal boy look like a boy. So they wear a short skirt and fishnet tights and high heels, and, and it's, it's just really fun. I think panto is, um, it's not everyone's cup of tea, let, let us say, that um, if you like it, you like it. If you, if you don't care for that kind of audience participation, then it's probably torture. <laughs> a ghost makes an appearance in every panto whether or not it has any connection to the plot. If you're saying to yourself, hmm, I don't remember a ghost being in the story of Sleeping Beauty, well, that's because there isn't one. Every panto does generally have a ghost in it, um, so there's always going to be one of those scary, spooky chase scenes with the ghost in each and every panto. The character who's being chased by the ghost is uh, unaware of the ghost's presence for a while after they enter, and uh, that allows the ghost to kind of creep after the character and, uh, and chase after him, and the audience to warn the main character that they're being followed by the ghost too, until eventually uh, the character sees the ghost and we have the kind of the climax of it where the character gets uh, scared and then runs off stage generally. There's always a ghost in a panto that bears absolutely no relation to the story. I have no idea how that came about, but at some point, some of the characters in the show have to encounter a ghost, usually in the woods, because that's easy. And the ghost appears, and the characters on stage cannot see it, but the audience can. So the audience will yell out, well, it's behind you. The ghost is behind you. And the characters say, where? And the audience will be yelling, it's behind you. <laughs> and they will, they will keep shouting that. I mean, there's obviously a routine that goes around it that we build. But the audience, I mean, the, the, the actors basically play dumb. They can't see it. I remember um, many years ago when we were first uh, doing Panto, in fact, the Sleeping Beauty panto, we were touring into schools and we were in this gym and there were 600 young people. And the ghost came on and the prince couldn't see it and the prince couldn't see it and the prince couldn't see it. And finally, this little girl from pre-K got up off the floor, stalked onto the stage, wagged her finger at the prince and said, it's behind you. <laughs> 
and no Panto would be complete without lots of raucous audience participation. There's a sing-along and lots of callbacks from the audience. British audiences recognize the cues where the audience should talk back to the characters on stage, and that's all part of the fun. But don't worry, if you're attending the Panto for the first time, Theatre Britain's production provides lots of coaching for the newbies. There are certain traditions, certain conventions. Uh, so, for instance, if the dame came on stage um, and said, I am so beautiful, then the audience would be required to, to yell back, oh, no, you're not. And the dame would say, oh, yes, I am. And the audience would say, oh, no, you're not. And so it would go on a bit like that. You can also use that of with, oh, no, it isn't, oh, yes, it is, oh, no, it isn't, oh, yes, it is. And British audiences understand when they hear something like that, um, that that's required of them. And most of our audiences here now know, but we always make sure that we teach it to them. So, for instance, if the dame came on and said, I, I'm so pretty, and they didn't say anything, the dame would say, you're supposed to say, oh, no, I'm not, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> and so get the audience to do it and teach them so that the next time it happens, they're in on the joke. There's um, a song. It's a silly song that the audience has to learn, um, taught to them by the characters on stage, and then there's usually a competition. Uh, we usually do boys against girls and see and then decide who sang the loudest. Sue and the actors performed a short scene for us to show us how the audience participation back and forth works. You know, when I was a young lass, my mother used to tell me a story about these yonder woods. Pray tell. About 100 years ago. A hundred years. 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 Yes. A hundred years. A hundred years. I think they get the picture. Tell on, fair maid. It was said that a fair princess was born to the king and queen of these lands, and all the good fairies bestowed on her love, wealth, and beauty, and all that jazz. Well, the king made a big boo-boo and did not invite Imelda, the nasty fairy, to the shindig. Imelda got wind of the goings-on and turned up. She cursed the new baby with the gift of death on her 16th birthday. As all kids do, this princess galloped to her 16th birthday, and lo and behold, the curse happened. But to cut a long story short... I wish you would. Ethel, the good fairy, had changed the curse of death to sleep, and so put the whole kingdom to sleep for a hundred years. A hundred years? Until the kiss of a strange prince would lift the curse and all would wake refreshed. So would I after a hundred year nap. The panto is a huge tradition in Britain. Some theater companies exist solely to put on pantos. Others rely on the annual show for revenue. And occasionally, names we all know in the United States turn up in the British panto productions. I would say almost every theater in the country does a panto, usually starting in December and often going until early, mid-January. It is... Um, if you can pardon the expression, a cash cow. Mickey Rooney has played Baron Hardup in Cinderella several times. The Fonz, Henry Winkler, has been in Peter Pan several times. And this year, David Hasselhoff uh, is, I, I know he's been in Panto before, but he's in Peter Pan. Uh, if you're a Doctor Who fan, John Barrowman, who plays Captain Jack, is in Dick Whittington in Birmingham this year in the UK. 
And past famous dames uh, include Elton John and Sir Ian McKellen, who was uh, Widow Twanky in Aladdin a couple of years at the Old Vic in London. What does it have to do with Christmas and the holiday season? Nothing whatsoever. <laughs> I have no idea why it started. I mean, I think Dickens talks about going to see a pantomime when he was a young boy and uh, enjoying the great clown Grimaldi in, in Panto. He talks about the 10,000 delights of the pantomime come upon us now. And it's always been at that time. And, you know, it's, I don't know why, but it has nothing to do with it. One other thing you need to know about Theatre Britain's Panto. The concession stand is awesome. It features British treats like Walker's salt and vinegar crisps and Cadbury buttons. In fact, a few years ago, the Dallas Observer called out the theater for best intermission edibles in the Dallas area. All of our concessions are British and pay homage to the British. Uh, and people are, that's one of the things that people are most excited about is the concessions. It's, it's bizarre. The chocolate is so good. There's a big British community that comes and they love it. Tell our Plano podcast listeners how they can experience this year's Panto for themselves or with their families. The Sleeping Beauty by Jackie Melaguin will be at the Cox Playhouse in Plano, just off downtown. It's running from November the 26th, which is Thanksgiving Saturday, through to December the 30th. And it runs every weekend except Christmas weekend. You can come and enjoy a slice of Britain. So we're one of only a few companies that do it. So you're coming to see something completely different and you're coming to experience what British families experience and have been experiencing for generations and generations. And most of the people who come to see the shows uh, enjoy it, come back. Our audience has grown an amazing amount over the years. And we now have American families who consider it a tradition to come to the Panto every year. So it's, it's something I think that, it's, I think because it appeals to all ages, um, there's something for everybody in it. And with that, the curtain closes on our time exploring Panto in Plano with Theatre Britain, where the holidays do get hilarious. Stay with us now for our wrap up, where we give you a peek behind the scenes with myself, producer Mary Jacobs, and a special guest. After all, what's the coolest little on-air join in Plano without sharing a little back corner booth discussion among friends? Hi, I am Mark Lowry. I am the editor and founder of a website called theaterjones.com. It covers performing arts in all of North Texas. So we cover theater, dance, opera, classical music, comedy. I'm the former theater critic at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Uh, I was the victim of newspaper layoffs when all that was happening in 2008. And we started Theater Jones, and we're still going strong. So in both of those two jobs, you have been covering the panto for a little while. I have. Even though at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, we focused on covering the Fort Worth arts, I did get familiar with Dallas and the Dallas Burbs, so I could sort of know what's out there in the entire scene. So theater written at the time 
I think they were an itinerant company, but they were performing at a space called the Trinity River Arts Center, which is sort of at the hospital district in Dallas. So I did see several of their seasons uh, and included, and, and I also saw their annual panto, but they would do Shakespeare and other British plays as well. It's so what excellent. do you think about the panto? I think it's fun. I had read about them before I saw one at Theatre Britain, but no one does them here. And very few companies, I think, do them in the States. So that was my first time to experience a panto. And I'd seen other similar forms of theater, such as a melodrama. There are several theaters in town that specialize in that kind of work, which is a lot of fun. It's all about escapism, letting go of any preconceptions, and just um, coming in with an open mind and, and learning to have a good time at the theater. So, I mean, and the ones in Britain you read about, and all the big stars of British theater, Ian McKellen, Judy Dench, Patrick Stewart, um, all these people have done pantos all their life. That's tr tradition. And they still do them, even with their fame uh, now. So I think it's it'd probably really exciting to go see Ian McKellen as the dame somewhere. I think the panto is like the nutcracker for, for ballet companies. It's like <laughs> the way they make money for the whole year uh, for some theater companies. Certainly in Britain. That's the, And the same thing with theater companies doing a Christmas show in general. So you see a Christmas carol a lot, but you okay. see a lot of other theaters doing, you know, It's a Wonderful Life and A Christmas Story. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and um, yeah those shows and so that's a big money maker because audiences love seeing these holiday feel-good kind of shows um, and, and, and ballet companies absolutely could not exist without that extra box office of money from the Nutcracker every year and the great thing about the Nutcracker is it's a really brilliant piece of ballet the music um, the story, it's really fantastic. I see it every year. I reviewed it for many years at many companies. And every time, unless it's a really horrible production, I really love it. I mean, I'm always um, sort of taken into that world and into that Christmas spirit and, and into my inner child, you know? I think that's one of the things about the panto is some people come every year. It's like a family tradition. Uh, I know that's the way it is, at least in Britain. So It certainly is. And I think what's also exciting about that is that often with pantos um, and, and similar kinds of arts, you do see audiences that you really don't see at a lot of other on a regular basis at a lot of other theaters or at, or at um, you know, a ballet or at the opera or anywhere else. But there are people who, you know, arts going may not be their thing or it may not be in their budget. It's very expensive to take a family out to see any kind of performing arts experience. If that's their one thing they do every, every year, I think it's a fantastic way to, you know, get their kids excited about the possibilities of what can happen in a theater, uh, what can happen on stage, um, to learn about these people who love nothing more than to entertain and to make people happy and to show audiences a great time. And it, it, that's what it always is. People talk about the audience participation part because I know people hate that, but panto audiences love it. I mean, I've just seen people get so involved and so, you know, call and response and and be willing to go up on stage and be made a fool of. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So I've never been, 
But in my head, when I hear them describe it, I've heard Mary you, Mary, you describe it, and you describe it, and Sue describe it. I can't help but think the only similarity I remember growing up would be going to see Rocky Horror. It's not nearly that raunchy, but it is. Um, there are some similar themes, certainly with the the gender bending. Yeah. No, it's Rocky Horror, and there's no raunchy sex in a panto. We hope not. <laughs> although, although here's a new idea, Theater Britain, or maybe a summer show, <laughs> late night panto. Panto for grown-ups. But is, it, is that kind of like tradition of when you say something, when you do something similar? Yes, it's with you know with Rocky Horror, there are definite responses and calls that people have to certain lines of dialogue or that precede them or follow them. Uh, and with a panto, because it's a different story kind of every year, um, those are um, those are different and they're not uh, scripted or predictable, so you don't really maybe know what to say. But a lot of that, the actors kind of inform you and tell you the kinds of things you'll say or give you an actual script for a song to sing along with. That's cool. Uh, well, I have some neighbors who are, are, they're Scottish, but they're from the UK. And they, first off, they were thrilled to hear that there was a panto and, and surprised, you know, in Plano. So, um, but secondly, it was really nice to go with them because they told us what to say and what to do. And you could kind of look to them and see what to do. So, but they do coach you and they make it easy. So, so here's what, another question that I have, because I get to be the newbie sitting at the table that's never been to one. One of the actresses, it's not just Bad's Children's Theater. Now, Bad Children's Theater makes me giggle, right? <laughs> I enjoy even Bad Children's Theater. Is this, do the kids just really love it? Like, I mean, do they get transported? Does the, does the audience that you see there that is not a traditional theater-going audience, why do you think they like it? Right. I think they're, yes, they, they do love it. And I think there are probably a couple reasons, even if you're not a quote-unquote, sophisticated arts-goer, which is completely fine. Um, you can recognize when something is bad, not intentionally bad, or when something is really great and transcendent. I think everyone can recognize those things. It's like watching American Idol. Like When they used to do the first weeks where they would show the auditions and you sort of liked seeing the people who were really bad, sort of this sense of schadenfreude, right? Where you, you like to see people make a fool of themselves. But even every audience at a panto, for one thing, Theater Britain is professional. Their actors are adult actors, even if they're playing children's roles. Um, so you don't see actual kids on stage. Um, and I think people really appreciate that this is a, a specific kind of comedy and humor that is meant to be melodramatic and kind of cheesy and silly and all of those things. And, and you go with it. You know that. Now, you know when you go into something and the creators did not intend for it to be bad, but you're really thinking, oh, my God, this stinks. Yes! <laughs> in some cases, yeah. In some cases, you just want to leave. I'm a parent. I totally know this story. <laughs> or you're a family member of, you know, so-and-so's kid or yes. your neighbor or whatever. Or your husband or your dad's up there and you're like, like oh, my God. So and I've, I've seen some of those. But um, even in those instances, like at a school, when you see kind of a bad children's show, you've got to appreciate the fact that they're trying. They're learning. They're, you know, they're in the most pure sense an amateur at this. And that is what getting better is all about. 
And an amateur means like a lover. It's like you love it and you do it for love. Right. In yeah. the, kind of the original meaning. And of they're the word. my favorite. I really do love those because <laughs> you see their heart out there on stage. <laughs> it's so awesome. So right. panto professionals, right? And it's a melodrama and it's fun. Um, and there's cool food. Yes. Talk. You have, do you remember the concessions? At Fina Renton? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been since they have been in Plano several times. Um, and there are, it's tr- traditional kind of concession candy, although they have, they do have British imported chocolates, I think I remember. Although, wasn't it last year where there was a law about... Um, imported chocolates that sort of changed and I think that affected I think they figured out a way around it eventually (laughs) yeah there was they circumvented there was a time when English chocolate was endangered in the United States so you won't so you won't see you know Snickers and all that stuff there but I've tried one every time and I think they may get their stuff from the British Emporium which is in Grapevine which has a lot of imported British products which is fantastic if you haven't been there that's awesome want to say about the performing arts scene in Plano or, or is there one <laughs> I think I think there's a growing scene there um, there is I think that there are several dance studios and ballet companies um, not they're probably pre-professional ballet companies like the Tuzer Ballet and Collin County Ballet Theater a lot of them perform their Nutcrackers at the Eisenman Center in Richardson um, and there's a symphony in Plano, which performs at the Eisenman Center. There's a civic chorus, which has a good reputation. And I, I know I have friends who are involved in that. And there are a number of theater companies there. Some of them are relatively new. Some have been around for a long time. Um, and they do, I think, a, a, a great kind of diverse, a, st- a great stylistic diversity of work. So you have Rover Drama Works, which kind of does off the beaten path theater plays that you really don't see anywhere else, sometimes unknown plays by well-known playwrights. Um, You have a newish company, which I'm very excited about, called Brick Road Theater. They perform at the Courtyard Theater or the Cox Building Playhouse, which is where Theater Britain is, and they are specializing in musicals with live music, which is which is becoming rarer these days. That's pretty daring. And they've been doing a really fantastic job. So they just did, I thought, a really great production of a, of a musical called A Light in the Piazza with a 15-piece orchestra. And it was a professional production and really well done. Um, one of my favorite groups in Plano is a group called Funhouse Theater and Film. Now, this is a company that uses youth and children actors and they have been performing out of the Plano Children's Theater space uh, but I think that may be changing I don't know the specifics yet but Funhouse um, does original work or adaptations of existing work some of it kind of adult work like like plays we think of um, from the American canon like Streetcar Named Desire but with kids but they always sort of spin it in a way so they're a streetcar named Desire was called a school bus named Desire, and it was set in a, a kindergarten classroom. And um, Stanley was just this bully. Um, and obviously, there were things in the original play, very graphic things that were you know they did didn't do or put a new spin on. Probably no smoking. No, well, no smoking and and the rape scene. They handled that in a really beautiful way. Um, and I have, to, I have to sort of 
admit that I'm, I'm sort of um, biased here because the founder of that company uh, sells ads on commission for Theater Jones. What's the name of that company it's again? Called, it's called Funhouse Theater and Film. Well, you've given us some new things to check out. Honestly. I've heard a little bit about Brickhouse. I did not realize they had a live uh, orchestra, which yes. is amazing. Well, that's, I mean, that's really good all the way around. I've learned a ton, too. I just want to say thank you for being here. I also want to say this is a cool space. Thank you guys for having me. So, yeah, we're in, it's a co-working space in Deep Ellum called The Common Desk. Uh, and so it has a lot of different kinds of entrepreneurs and small companies and individual business people trying to work on their own project. Everyone from lawyers and photographers to freelance writers and app developers and designers. And I think there's a guy um, in an office back kind of behind you guys who runs a very popular chocolate website, as in a, a website for recipes and all kinds of chocolate things, and it's very popular. Wow. Fantastic. We noticed when we walked in lots of water bottles and Red Bull and wine bottles. And millennials. Well, right, and we do have beer on tap here. But the amazing thing is, the amazing thing is, it's everyone is working on their future, on their business, right? So you really, even though there are no traditional, like, corporate kind of rules about dress or drinking at work or whatever, everyone kind of follows them because you, you do want to get your job done, you know? People may wear shorts and stuff, and that's fine. But And no one really drinks beer until, I don't know, we'll say 2 o'clock. We love having you, Mark. It was a pleasure Thank to meet you, you so and talk much. about uh, the panto and the theater scene. Thank you guys for having me. I really enjoyed it. This is Cole Boffin from the Plano Podcast. If you want to find out more information, go to planopodcast.com and click on Episode Resources. We've reached the end of another edition of Plano Podcast. Tales of Curiosity and Character. We hope you've enjoyed today's topics and discussion. Remember to follow us on Twitter at, at Plano Podcast and send us your feedback, ideas, and comments. Thanks for listening and subscribing. We'll be waiting for you at our back corner booth. Until next time.